Right, welcome to another episode of Candy Coaches Conversations. Uh, this week's topic, none other than search firms. And we've got another great panel or whatever you want to call it, group of 12 on the call. And uh, we, we've got two people from Turnkey, Katie Young, Chai Chatlos, uh, who will intro us here in a little bit. We've got some of the best assistant coaches in the country. And as usual, we've got at least one uh, highly acclaimed media person, uh, and it is Sporting News' Mike DeCourcy this week because uh, we can't say that about myself or Rob Doster. So, Mike, <laughs> glad to bring up the, uh, you know, little bit of, of respect in the uh, in the media world uh, this week. So we appreciate it. I don't know how many people know I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of search firms. I, I put it out there. I'm not. But part of it is, honestly, that I'm not the biggest fan of search firms that don't do their homework. And, and the reason I have both of you guys on here is because I, I see you a lot of different places, both Katie and Chad. I know you work at it. I know you call people that are close to me. You know, you, you, you're doing your homework, which is part of the reason I brought you on here. Um, part of the reason is we needed somebody to talk about search firms. Um, so anyway, I, I want to ask you guys first, Katie, start with you of, I guess, what do you guys do exactly? A lot of people want to know that. They ask me that all the time. Like, what do you do in the process? Take me through kind of maybe from point A to, to the end of how this whole thing works. Absolutely, Jeff. Well, I appreciate you having us on again. Um, we're happy to be your token search firm of the day here. So, um, you know, it's every search is very different, but our, our role really doesn't change throughout the search process. It's to facilitate a great search. It's to work with our client who is the athletic director of the, you know, the athletic department and really put together a great slate of candidates based on what they're looking for. What do they need? What are they looking for? And who's the best fit? And we don't get to pick who wins. That's one of the most misconceptions of the search business is that we have this, you know, job tree and we just pick all the people that we want to get the jobs. And we have a stable of people that are the people that have, you know, kissed up to us or whatever throughout the past. That's not the case, at least not with us. Um, our job is to run a great process, make sure it's fair, make sure it's diverse, make sure our client has somebody to talk to. The AD job is lonely. Um, you know, during the search process, you know, confidentiality is, is a big piece of this. And there are only certain member people that they, they can trust. Maybe they can't trust their top donor. Maybe they can't trust, you know, someone else on, on their search committee to not to talk, talk. So it's, it's us, right? And so our job is to great, to really go out to, um, and it's, it's not just a two week job. It's a 365, you know, day a year job. And that's, we do things like this. We get to know coaches. You know, I sit on the, the board of the rising coaches, diversity, equity, inclusion council, um, our job is to be integrated in your world. You know, yes, it's your job to kind of come find us and, and seek us out, but it's our job to go seek you out. And that's what makes a good search firm to be able to give intel behind the scenes about an individual that an AD doesn't know. And our job is to really listen and, and you know, have relationships with people like Jeff and other coaches and say, hey, is this person really who they say they are? This is what the AD is looking for. This is the situation. This is why the job is open. You know, what do you think about what do you think about Dwayne Stevens for this job? You know, and just really get a good feel. And then our job is to do all the referencing, uh, background checks, referencing testimonials, making sure that people are who they say they are. And then go out and recruit talented people. We're not sitting on monster.com waiting for people to apply for a job. So um, an AD typically has a short list, you know, and then, of course, we have people that we would say, hey, look, this this person fits what you're looking for. What do you think? And our lists kind of come together. It's very organic. And then, of course, there are people that we didn't know have, would have interest in the job that pop up and say, hey, I would be interested in that because, you know, my wife's mother lives in Boise or whatever it is. 
And so there's so many reasons people get involved in searches, but our job is to really streamline the process and make sure we are erring on the side of the candidate too. So it's not right for Kamani Young, it's not right for our client. So we have to make sure that it's right for the individual. Um, they know what they're getting into and, you know, just to put it all together. Chad, how, how many of, of the ADs, and then we'll just open it up because honestly, I don't, I think that'll be better for everybody involved here. But how many of the ADs are hiring you guys to bring them names or how many of them, the percentage you think are, are hiring you again to kind of protect them and, and protect their, their confidentiality and, and, and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, like Katie said, every search is different. I think there's certainly a, a CYA element to, you know, why they bring us on, um, you know, to make sure that they've vetted everyone and they can say they've vetted everyone. I would say, you know, 50% of the searches we're bringing candidates. The AD maybe isn't a, a basketball person per se, you know, so we're, we're educating them. We're bringing new people to the mix. The other 50%, maybe the candidate pool's already set um, or, or just largely set, especially if you're doing, you know, a blue blood search or, you know, a power five elite program search. Uh, maybe we're not bringing as many candidates to that, but it, then it goes to Katie's point. It's more of the vetting, the background, the confidentiality piece. Um, you know, having discussions with agents, figuring out who the agents are, what's the buyout, are they movable, any NCAA violations, you know, all the stuff that, that Katie talked about. The, uh, the opportunity risk of making the wrong hire now is huge, right? It can cost the AD his, his or her job. It can leave a black mark on the school. It can cost the school a lot of money because of the salaries and the guarantees and the buyouts. I mean, when you talk about, you know, you're hiring a coach, you have to buy him out to get him. And then when you fire him, you're buying him out to go. And then you have to buy a new coach to replace him. And then you have to buy pay for the staff that you gave to your deals to. I mean, this is expensive stuff, right? And, you know, um, not every AD is using a firm. Uh, I think for basketball and football, I would say the numbers are probably, especially in the power five, 85, 90% of them use it. But there's some still out there that don't use firms. I, I don't know how they wouldn't these days. Again, not, not because we're the, the, the be all end all. But even just from a CYA standpoint, I mean, look, what we just did the Kansas AD search and the Kansas football search. If Jeff Long uses a search from there, he might be the AD still, right? You know, so he could say, hey, we hired a firm, they vetted, and no one knew anything about you know, the stuff at LSU. So it's, um, it's becoming more and more prevalent. Like Katie said, it's not just hoops, football, and ADs anymore. We're, we're being used for a lot of different projects. All right, listen, yeah. I'm going to open it up. So any anybody go, like, let's have a conversation here. Let me ask Chad or Katie this. When you see a disastrous search hire process that has obvious, uh, the, the, an obvious stamp of, a, of another firm on it, is that bad for the firm business or good for the turnkey business because it wasn't you guys that made that obvious disastrous hire and I'm not, of course, talking. Are you talking? Are you talking about Mark Godfrey to Cal State Northridge? I actually wasn't. I was actually talking about Pitt in in uh, 2016. But uh, you know, uh, it, it you know you could use whatever you like. Yeah, yeah. People do watch these podcasts, right? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> um, you know, listen. I, I think you make a good point there. I mean, in some weird way, Katie and I want other our our competitors to do good work. Right. Because we want, you know, there'd be validation about what we do, um, you know, but we're also competing against them for business. Right. And it, the good thing for us is that there's a ton of business out there. You know, we we nor we can't we couldn't do all the work, nor would we want to do all the work. Um, there's there's a lot of volume out there. There's a lot of turnover. These jobs are hard. 
So no, I, I think on, on the whole, to answer your question, we want the other firms to be doing good work to validate, you know, why we're being hired. You know, when it comes to, I'll, I'll answer the other part, when it comes to, when you see a bad search or disastrous process, listen, we've, we've all been in there. You know, sometimes you, you, you can control it, um, but sometimes you get a 16 person search committee with everybody's got a different agenda. The, the president and the AD aren't aligned. The board isn't aligned. The donors aren't aligned. I mean, you all in this square here, Hollywood squares here have seen that as you put yourself in, in searches or been approached about searches. Um, the biggest thing I think I could tell you and probably Katie would agree is do your vetting. You all want to be head coaches. You know, if someone comes at you and wants you do your vetting because taking the wrong job will just crush you for later. If, if they're not aligned, if the board isn't in line with the AD and the president, if the resources aren't there, I know you guys are very confident and in, in, in you'll be the one to change the program and to change the tradition. Of the, and you should believe in that. You're all good coaches, but just do your vetting to make sure what you want to do is doable at the place you're considering. I got a question for Katie and Chad. Um, it seems as though uh, this past year, especially after all that happened in 2020, um, that there were a higher number of African-American uh, coaches hired. Did you guys get a sense of that as you were working with your, you know, the particular uh, institutions, um, that that's what they were looking for um, in, in the process? Good, Katie. Yeah, I'll answer that. Um, I mean, we worked on a, a large scope of different projects, right? We had UMBC, Texas and Corpus Christi, which are very different than Arizona or OU, right? So it's just, I think at the end of the day, yes, all of our ADs are looking to make a diverse, have a diverse pool. Um, and I think that, you know, people rise to the top for various reasons, right? It's connections. It's something that they, they, they did in the interview that they AD really liked. But I will tell you this, Zoom has been giving us a big platform to be able to add candidates. So you know, where traditionally it was, hey, let's bring five to an airport, pick somebody you want goes to campus. It's let's Zoom 12 people. I mean, UMBC, we'd Zoom 12 people, which gave people an opportunity to shine and to be noticed. In Penn State, we did the same thing. Obviously, Micah Shrewsbury got hired there. So, um, you know, just it was it was more volume, I think, with, that opened the 80s eyes to, you know, people that might be assistant coaches and not just look at a bunch of five head coaches that we bring to an airport interview. People like Micah got involved and he, and he wowed everybody and he came and just crushed it. And they were like, we love this guy. We have to have this guy. But would Micah get involved if there were only four or five going to an airport? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But based on experience and being a big 10 job, you know, you know, they, it opened their eyes to looking at more than just sitting head coaches. And so the Zoom, I mean, I think Zoom has been really good for diversity. Yeah. It allows us to, you know, Chad and I encourage, hey, look, okay, you got your five or six, but let's add these two more. I think you'll really like these people. And so that's been really big. Um, and AD's been really receptive to adding people to their pools of candidates because of, you know, the, the cost. It's nothing. It's 45 minutes of your time. Yeah. I, I, Dan, let me throw in two cents on that, Carlin. And I totally agree with Katie. Um, I will tell you, I've been doing this eight years. I would tell you from eight years ago to four years ago to now, it went from, hey, I have to have a diverse pool to check a box to give me a diverse pool because it's the right thing to do to I want to make a diverse hire if I can. I mean, it really has gone the spectrum on that because I think, you know, certainly leadership has seen certainly with the social justice issues, but just also the, the underrepresentation in their athletic department of their student athlete population. 
right? They want their student athletes to see people that look like them, that have come from places where they've come, that have you know same beliefs and traditions and whatever. And it went from being somewhat important to top of the list. Thank you. Do you guys want to run through some do's and don't, don'ts with these guys of, of how to deal with – it could be how to deal with you guys or – you know, because I always tell – coaches that, that call me and they ask me like, how can I, how can I put myself in a better situation? I'm like, listen, I'll give you the list of, of, of the key search firm. I don't have relationships with a lot of them, uh, but I'll tell you where they are. And if you go into recruit into a city, you should absolutely be reaching out to, to, to you guys. Um, but what else the do's and don'ts of how to deal with you guys. And also maybe some do's and don'ts of like when you're going through the process, I guess. Yeah, why don't you start, Katie, and I'll jump in. Yeah, I think don't have everyone you know call us and say you're the best candidate. That's probably the worst thing. And then on top of that, if, if an AD is using a firm, don't have everyone know call the AD um, and go around the process. That just that never really works out. It makes you look desperate. So I think that's the number one thing, especially assistant coaches do. Hey, how can I get in that, involved in that job? I want this job. Well, you don't even know what they're looking for. You don't even know what the job is. So the first thing I would do is find out either through your agent or yourself a relationship. I have relationships with almost everybody on this Zoom. Um, pick up the phone and say, Hey, I saw you guys are working with, you know, Oklahoma. What are they looking for? You know, okay. Lon retired, but what's, what's the next, what's the next move? What does Joe C want? You know, and let us be the one to tell you that. And, and it's great to express interest, but you can't go for every job either. I think the, the people that go for every job and it's the same people over and over. And then the people that go on Twitter and have other people from the coaching changes thing or whatever that Twitter is, you know, say, Oh, these are the best five kids are the same five people every single time. I wonder who's in charge of that thing. Right. So it's just, being self-aware and not, not self-promoting, but, you know, being, being humble and saying, what are they looking for? This is kind of what I've done. Would I be a fit here? And if you're an assistant coach, chances are you're probably not going to go get, a, I mean, you may get a power five job like Micah, or you may not. So you may have to, you know, differentiate yourself on the interview. Um, be prepared. I think preparation is key, especially in a Zoom. You get 45 minutes to make an impression. And if you're not prepared, you know nothing about the roster, you know nothing about the AD or the school. And why are you even here? You know, it's got to be specific to that job, not just any job. Yeah, Katie touched on the dues kind of in the search thing. Let me talk about pre-search. Um, listen, the best way to get in these mixes is to develop an authentic relationship years before the job opens, right? So I'm here in Atlanta. When people roll through to Peach Jam or Cartersville, hey, Chad, can I come take you to lunch? Can you coming up to the, the tournament? Are you, you know, can I come by your office for half an hour? You know, I've had, you know, D, DK, Dwayne Killings, you know, you know, people roll through here and just chat when they don't need anything. They want me to get to know them authentically when there's not a job on the line. You know, what's important to them, who their family situation, are there areas of the country they wouldn't move to? Do they have any special needs with children or spouses with jobs or health care? Like, I, I want to get to know you. And, you know, heck, three months later, the job that you line with might come up that's great but usually it's a year or two down the road where i'm like you know what this fits dk this fits cy this fits dj like i, I know this person inside and out we spent time together i mean dj he had me up to uh coaches had me up to practice for two days i sat in film rooms with those guys i watched them break down film i watched them game prep for uh it was nebraska maybe and then i went down and watched the game like that's the stuff, like, get me involved in that. Get Katie involved in that so that we're watching your work or watching you interact with student athletes when there's not a job on the line, right? Everybody wants to be the best version of themselves. And I'll, let me tell you why I'm the perfect fit for DePaul or, you know, Oklahoma. When that, But who are you when there isn't a job on the line, right? So I would encourage you 
authentically build relationships with others. We're, we're at the final four. We're doing coaches consortium, usually pre-COVID. You know, we're in Atlanta and Phoenix. You guys are recruiting. There's tournaments, there's clinics. Come see us, make an effort. Um, you know, and that's kind of pre-search. And then just to add on to what Katie said on during the search, you know, blowing anybody up when the calls isn't smart, but you, you need to have, here's what I tell coaches all the time. There's thousands of coaches competing for tens of jobs. The odds aren't in your favor. Thousands competing for tens. All right. So what are you doing to differentiate yourself to put the odds in your favor? We know right now, and we'll know as it gets closer to the end of the season, which jobs are going to open. There's hot seat alerts. Everyone's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. That might be 20 jobs. You Guess what? You're not a fit for all 20. All right. There might be three of the 20 that you're a fit for and that you'd have interest in. Go to work on those. Right. Figure out who's Jeff can tell you, we can tell you, we can probably figure out who the AD is going to use as a firm because they use a lot of the same time. You'll know, hey, do the research. Has that AD ever hired a first time coach from an assistant board? Are they going to just recycle head coaches or, or promote head coaches from smaller schools? You know, start doing, have your agent, like Katie said, do work so that months before the job opens, you're already prepping. You're, you're figuring out who the influencers are going to be. You're putting advocates together for yourself. You're understanding what the opportunity is going to be. You know, the firm that could be involved. And then when it comes open, bam, you're ready. You've kind of checked some boxes and, and you can go from there. Mike Katie or Chad, for, for a younger coach, um, do you guys, I, I know you said you want us to stop by. You want uh, guys to get to know you and then that type of thing. Do you all prefer to deal with a, a agent or, or with the, the coach himself? Yeah, when it comes to, you know, doing the deals or when a search is ongoing, we're, we're primary with the agent. You know, if we have, if we have a relationship with the coach, we'll be talking to you too, but we want to, we want to do things the right way. We want to protect you, especially if your head coach isn't maybe all in on you going after a job, which you will have to deal with. Right. Um, but no, in the, in the, when there's not a search, yeah. Like, well, you know, a lot of times if, if you don't, we don't know each other, Jordan or Brett or Charney will call us and say, Hey, my guy's coming through Atlanta. He wants to spend time. Yeah, the agent can set that up. If we know each other, call us anytime. Do you want your agent to do it? We work every day with those guys. I, I have a question for you guys. Um, I have a couple, but you know, how, how we evaluate as assistant coaches? Like, what's important? You know, you look at a, some of the guys on this call that are very accomplished. They won at a super high level. You know, great reputations in the business. Like, what what's important to you as a search firm? when you're putting a pool of candidates together? Yep, well, I can answer that, but Katie, why don't you go first? Yeah, I think, I mean, just just alignment with why Why do you want what job, whatever job you're looking for, why that job? Not just, hey, I wanna be a head coach, but kind of like I mentioned before, why specifically that job? Do you have a tie to that area? Is it a like-minded institution you worked before? You know, if you worked at Yale, if you're Adam over here and you, you know, you're going for a job, like probably not gonna go for a job that's not high academic, right? Maybe you will, but what's your why? I think being able to articulate your why, that'll differentiate between other assistant coaches. And once you get the Zoom interview or the in-person interview or whatever, the phone interview, you know, the preparation separates people. I think confidence, uh, preparation, presence, um, just knowing what the job is going into it and what's your plan. And being able to, and obviously some of you guys have been head coaches before at different levels, but when you're looking for that first division one job or whatever it is, um, you know, being able to, to sell that AD a little bit on that you're ready, you know, and, and how are you doing that? Well, it's the job that you're doing now. What's your reputation? Are people, other people saying you're ready? 
Um, just because you call and say you're ready doesn't mean you're ready. But if your head coach is calling to say, hey, man, Kamani is so ready for this job. This is perfect for him. This is why. This is what I've let him do as an assistant coach. Like, for example, I keep bringing up Micah, but he was so darn impressive in this interview. He was, you know, the defensive coordinator. Steve Lutz was the offensive coordinator. Maybe I flipped that around. But they had a specific role on their staff where their head coach, Matt Painter, was letting them run something. And so being able to see them on the sidelines, being able to, and not everyone's going to get that opportunity to do something like that. Cause not all, you know, not all staffs are the same, but th those two guys got jobs this year and they were prepared. They had the right fit. They were both, you know, impressive in their interview, um, relaxed, you know, didn't try too hard, connected with the athletic director via zoom, which is really hard to do, but they also had that I'm ready uh, toolbox from their head coach. And if your head coach isn't putting you in a position to be a head coach, then you probably put the wrong head coach. You probably need to go change staffs to someone who lets you do your job and pushes you to be a head coach. So if you're putting, if being put in this box over here is just the guy who runs practice or just a recruiter or just the ex's nose person, you need a well-rounded 360, um, you know, holistic approach to being a head coach. So you can sell that in an interview. Yeah, I'll just add great points, Katie. I'll add, it's real different. Football is so much easier with the coordinators, right? Offense and defense, they own it. Um, uh, and I know we have that in basketball. But, you know, what's really important is what people are saying about you, right? Like, so, you know, I, I'll like, listen, if you're DJ, Tom is going to be your biggest fan, right? He's going to be pushing you. He's going to tell you the why. But, you know, what does is, what is Juwan Howard say about you, right? What did, what did your other coaches in the conference say about you? You know, uh, when we call them, I mean, this guy was a beast to recruit against, right? He got two guys we thought we had, or, you know, he, DJ's running defense and, you know, we just couldn't figure out what they did. And that's like, we call those people, like, what are these guys against to recruit against? What are these guys like in-game management, right? How, how do they handle when you throw something new at them? How, how do they come out of it? So evaluation is, you know, a little bit harder because for us, unless we have access, you know, who's who's doing it the head coach the assistant coach the other assistant coach it's a little bit harder than football but that's why we, that's again there's no secret sauce to us we have to make the calls we have to be at practices we have to go to games we have to rely on people like jeff who are on the road right who who, who are on the inside um we can't you know katie and i are famous for saying we, we do searches we don't make 10 calls we make a thousand calls right because if we call the wrong 10 people about you you're screwed, right? Or if we call if we call the right ten people about you, then maybe they're low, your your profile is a little more elevated than it should be. You got to call and do the work. And again, that's not during the search. That's three sixty five, and that's in years in advance on some of these deals. Hey, I, I want to say this real quick to Chad and Katie. All, all the information you guys are giving is is tremendous and, and spot on. But I want to kind of educate you guys about the assistant coach, especially at the power five level, even at the mid major plus level. No high major program that's winning is the head coach doing it by himself. Now, I know that's a, a terrible misconception. You guys think that they're winning games and the head coach is doing it. And it's, it's four assistants over there and they just got their thumb uh, just hanging out. <laughs> but but I'm, I want to I make sure y'all understand this before y'all leave this call. Kentucky was a top-notch program. Yeah. Kenny Payne left and went to the NBA and the whole program changed. Now, nobody don't want to say that but that's the truth. So you judge people on consistent behavior, not what they say, but what they do. There's certain people that's involved with programs that's winning championships four, five, six, seven, eight years in a row. So don't get emotional, read the data. 
That's what I'm that's that's what I want to say to you guys as a search firm. You can't watch Michigan State win and say, I gotta go down there and see if Dwayne Stevens is really coaching. You're right, he coaching. <laughs> because Tom Izzo ain't doing it by himself. And if he walks in the door and tell Tom Izzo I'm living the day, he will have a heart attack like Fred Sanford. This is the big one. Don't leave me. I promise you that. So I think you you search firm people, y'all gotta, I know y'all vetting calls and calling people, but if there's a program win, you can bet your bottom dollar that the assistant coaches that are involved in that program have way more to do with that situation than you guys think. And I think you guys assume the other way. It's almost like you're, uh, you know, you're guilty to proven innocent when you're assistant coach, and it should be the other other way around. Does that make sense to you what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I think you're painting us with a broad brush there, and you know, with you saying, you know. No, I, 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 I disagree with that because it's so hard for an assistant coach to get a head job. So consistently, you got guys. Well, listen, you know, we did we did Arizona and Penn State this year. Who got the head jobs? That's two. Yeah, that's, that's two, but I can tell you there's head coaches being recycled over oh, yeah, and over and over yeah. for jobs that yeah. they probably shouldn't, you know, and I, I don't well, want to get into a back. I would actually counter that and say the AD makes that higher, right? It's not like we're not presenting assistant coaches. I've got people on this call that have interviewed for my jobs that are assistant coaches, but the AD didn't hire them. It's not our job to hire somebody. Our job is to put you in a position to be able to meet the AD, facilitate the whole thing, and then they get to decide if you get hired. Just like with Dennis Gates. I mean, Dennis Gates, we did Cleveland State, your guy from Florida State, right? Yeah. It's a job. That's a very um, he was an assistant coach, you know, and so I think that it's really situational. It's based on what the AD is willing to put his neck out for. If he's more comfortable or she's more comfortable um, hiring someone who has had coaching experience, sometimes because of situations, that's what they choose to do. And but we do have a track record of making sure that a lot of assistant coaches are involved in our searches and it's your job to go win the job. That's right. Well said. How much do you guys look at? Cause I wonder that this, this stretch, this past cycle a little bit, like some assistant coaches that had been part of programs and they hadn't won, got head jobs. And I'm like, I'm looking at it saying, well, why aren't the guys and everybody on, listen, there's a reason everybody on this call is on this call because they all come from winning programs. I, I, I don't understand that. To me, now, again, I know you, you don't do the hire. I understand that. But I don't even know if I'd bring somebody to the table that were in a program that hadn't won. Like, I would want – to me, I'd be hiring guys from programs that are winning. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think back to the search in any sports that we've done where someone's been hired from a not a winning situation. I, it's, I'm sure there are examples. I can't remember the search where we've done where that's been the case. We've, we've been involved with some searches where – uh, there's certainly first-time coaches getting hired uh, maybe from NFL to pro or, or college or college to NFL. But um, – Do you look at that, though? Is that, is that a, a, up, a top of your list of, hey, come from a winning program? Is that – I'll tell you, I think yeah. there's been coaches we've pushed for to get in the pool yeah. that aren't in a current winning situation but are crazy good coaches. Sure. Right? And you know them. You know people that are, you know, either down year or they've left for a program or something has happened – that are just really good coaches that have a little bit of a bad, some bad luck. Yeah. Um, we found, and Katie, tell me if I'm wrong, that our clients, the ADs, 
are risk adverse. Like, so, you know, are they, are they get, that's again, back to CY's point, you know, if you got someone, let's be honest, any first time head coach is going to make mistakes. You're going to, I don't care how ready you are, how prepared you are. It's a different job. You're going to make mistakes. Could be on recruiting, could be on NCAA rule, could be on a media appearance, could be on a donor appearance, could be anything. So if you're the AD and your job's on the line, you know, yes, you're trying to get the best coach, but you're also doing a little bit of risk mitigation, figuring out, you know, how, how big of a uh, chance do I want to take? So back to that other point is, do I want to hire coaches coming from a losing situation? Not, mo- not many of them do. There are exceptions. It does happen. But, you know, Jeff, I, I, I can't even think of my mind. I don't know which ones you're referring to, but I, I, we haven't been involved in a lot where, you know, someone has come. And Katie, have we? I mean, even some of the smaller school searches we've done? Not really. I mean, and the, the, the people have become, I mean, I can think of a couple that come, come from like mediocre, they haven't won a championship or won their league, but, you know, the, the impressive job they've done where they are in situations that are tough, I think obviously puts them over the edge too. And someone had previously had coach, you know, been a head coach. So, and again, yeah. that's the AD. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't saying you guys right? so much. I was saying yeah. overall, just looking at, I don't even remember. I know you, you did. You, you, you know, what's inter- you know, what's interesting with basketball and I'm saying this because I just come off a lot of football searches so much. And I feel for you on this guys, so much weight is put on the NCAA tournament, which I think is bogus. Like, I'd rather see what you did in conference throughout the year. It's harder to win a conference championship than make a run in the NCAA, in my opinion. You guys could tell me I'm crazy. But, like, 22 games on the road, classes, tests, travel, hostile environments, you come out with a conference championship or a top finish, that to me is more impressive than upsetting, no offense to UMBC in Virginia, that's more impressive than that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know. Like anybody can get hot on one day and anybody can get cold on one day. We so, we did both though, Katie. We we won the regular season last year. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, it, it's so, you know, it's more impressive, I think. And I'd love to hear you guys' opinion. Are we, are we wrong? Is that a wrong opinion? No, nah, Chad, I, me personally, uh, <clears throat> I went, I got a, when I was with coach, we got an at-large bid at Southern Miss, which was, that was pretty crazy to be honest. And then we got an at-large at Colorado state. And, um, and then the last two years, obviously last year was cut short because of the COVID, but winning, winning the regular season, like you said, 18 games. And we, we did like the bonus play deal where they, they put you in pods. And so the last four games of the year, you played the best teams again, and you kind of were each in your own little pod. So that was, to me, that meant a lot. And, and obviously winning the, Conference USA tournament this year, going to the tournament, doing that was was really special too. But like I said, I think most coaches, because I saw a lot of guys shaking their heads, that if you can be the best, most consistent team in the Big Ten and the ACC and the SEC, Big Twelve, you know, you got to feel feel pretty good about it. I did. Um, I had a question. I had a question too, just from the from the mid major representative uh, ambassador for this this call. Um, I think a lot of times for, for guys like myself or or guys that are in my situation, and, and again, I know like you were guys saying, you don't make the hires, you know, but my question would be, um, do ADs or even you guys, do you feel like being at the elite level also produces a skill set 
that makes someone a, a better coaching candidate or more equipped to, to run a program. Um, Cause I, I look at myself or like I say, guys, like I'm, I'm thinking, well, I can either, you know, in, in inherit the job you're at, at a mid-major or low major level, or you have to go take an assistance job at one of these, these type programs to, to realistically have a shot at getting a head coaching job. And, and that was kind of, like I said, I think that's a lot of guys feel, feel that way. So just you guys perspective on that. Um, I'd be interested in. I'll answer that. Um, oh, I think okay. it's, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say this real quick. I don't know if I'm answering the question or not Ross, but I do want to say this. I think some of the best coaches in the country are at the low to mid-major level. Uh, I've been at Georgia Tech, Auburn, and Florida State as an assistant, but I played at Georgia Southern, and I was a head coach at Georgia Southern. And coaches that can win those low to mid-major leagues, I don't care what league it is, that's a tremendous amount of pressure, knowing that you won all year and that if you lose, you're not even going to the NIT. So guys who that can 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 handle that pressure, can have their teams ready to play, and that can succeed in that environment, they deserve shots at head jobs because you are a great coach if you could come out of the Southern or the Sun Belt or the OBC because everybody's fighting for one spot and it is a dogfight. So I don't miss championship week. I watch every game. I respect the players that get MVP because I'm a former Southern Conference MVP. <laughs> That's really in there from the 1900s. So I got VCR and VHS takes for everybody y'all want to watch. But uh, I, I respect low to mid-major coaches, and I think they deserve more shots when they win consistently. So I just want to say that to you, Ross. I like the direction you just went with that. See why I think that's that's really, um, I mean, it's it's prevalent. You know, we're looking. I mean, look at Joe Golding, right? Evelyn Christian, really, really tough job. Deserve really tough shot. job. Um, and so, you know, guys like that, absolutely. And I'm kind of talking about head coaches, I guess. That's kind of I think what you were going alluding to. But for assistant coaches, Ross, and I think what your yeah. point was. Um, you know, I like guys that have been at every level. I like you know if you can ride a bus league and you can win, great. You're a grinder. That kind of proves that. Um, but if you, you know, if you're at the highest level, I think sometimes ADs, and this may be a misconception, but, you know, the recruiting, the elite recruiting that you have to be able to compete against other people, they're elite recruiters, and um, and then do something with that talent, you know, at a high level, at a power five blue blood level. I think I like, I like people that have been at all levels. I think it shows you're well-rounded. And if you're just at a power five level and you're interviewing at a low mid-major job, that's really tough that's a really tough transition. You know, now you're riding a bus. Now you've got no budget. Now you got to figure out where the uniforms are coming from and who's going to mop your floor. Well, that's not what you're used to. And I think ADs, that's very risky for them to be able to, to try to interview someone like that. Like if you look at Steve Lutz, every level, he's been at every level. And so he gets, you, you know, Corpus Christi, but if Steve Lutz had only been at the power five, there's no way Corpus Christi would hired. And we had a really good pool for that. A really good pool. Um, but I'm, you know, that's, that's kind of what I see and in, in the trends and that sort of thing. But and on the contrary, you look at someone like Dietrich Taylor, right? So he had two assistants get head jobs in the last three years, Danny Sprinkle and, and John, right? John Smith. So they weren't, they made the tournament once, I think, maybe once, twice, maybe. Um, and those two got jobs, but they were the right jobs. You know, John got Cal Poly and he had connections in California, very, very connected in California. And they need California kids to Cal Poly. You can't go out of state a lot. So they had to get a California guy. He was there. 
had success and he got the job. Danny Springle, an alum of Montana State, right? So that was a unique situation and he played there. He was a great player. So I think there's, it's just all situational. It depends on, you know, and they both crushed their interviews. They weren't handed a job, but they were able to get over that hump of not having perennial success at that low mid-major level, um, which is, you know, but those ADs hired them because of, they knew how hard a job Fullerton was and what they had done there was nothing short of a miracle. So um, it, it's real, really situational in my opinion. I wrote an article probably 22, 23 years ago when Andy Stoglin was the head coach at Jackson State uh, about how the coaching ladder does not extend down to the HBCUs. And I, you know, in that, and since, since that, I only know of one HBCU head coach that climbed into a higher level, uh, Steve Murfield from Hampton. That's the only one I'm aware of off the top of my head. There may have been others. I don't think there have been. Uh, Do you two, Chad and and Katie, see resistance from from, uh, some of the clients that you work with uh, in, in regards to people like Lavelle Moten, who is, I mean, he's 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 done it for a decade at the highest level of his league. I mean, he's been at the top of his league, at or near the top of his league every year for a decade, and still, you know, he's still there. And I and I understand their connections and everything, but I I, I do wonder if that's that's an obstacle that coaches who who enter the HBUs face HBCUs, excuse me. Well, we've had several in our in our candidate pool. Um, I, I wouldn't say. I would say no. Again, these ADs, a lot of times they they don't know what they don't know, right? Or they do know what they don't know, and they rely on a lot of people. Um, I will say, um, and you, correct me if I'm wrong, if you think I'm wrong, you know, there's got to be a little hustle, a little self-promotion, a little marketing done, right? And the guys in the HBCU, they're not using an agent. They're not out there kind of putting their name out there. Like it's a squeaky wheel in, in a lot of these deals where, you know, agents just wear me out about a guy. Okay. We'll look at him, you know, or, or, you know, someone's made the effort. So a lot of those guys, what did I tell you earlier about coming through here when they're recruiting or anything, haven't made the effort to reach out and really get to know us. Right. So there's a hustle element there. It, 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 unfortunately guys, it's not good enough to just be good at your job anymore because there's a lot of good coaches out there. You gotta be good. You also have to be connected and known. Right. Um, Because what I say earlier, thousands of jobs or thousands of coaches competing for tens of jobs. So, um, I mean, that's my personal experience. Katie, any thoughts on it? Yeah, I agree with Chad. I think, you know, you have to be known to be needed. I always say that. So we don't know who you are. We can look at a, you know, we don't just Google. We're not like fans. We don't just Google, hey, who's, you know, number one in your conference. Okay, put that person up for a job. It's, you know, it's the references, endorsements, testimonials, and then the fit. What, what is the AD looking for? What is, why is the job open? Did someone retire? Do they have egregious behavior? Did they get fired? Did they take a better job? There's so many reasons. And then when you evaluate all that, there's always filters, right? The filter down in the AD, you know, and maybe they're not interested. I mean, sometimes, you know, I've got a couple uh, of HBCU coaches in the past that's just said not the right time or, you know, it's in not all of them, but I'm just, I mean, there's all, all filters that people just don't see a lot of times. Um, and so, you know, I think again, situational, but, um, I think that, you know, they need to be out there just like you are. Why isn't anyone on this zoom? You know, it's just, it's just kind of, they have to put themselves out there and, and let us know, you know, we can't read their mind if they want a job. So got to raise their hands. I will say this about HBCUs. Uh, there, there is a problem that needs to change in terms of, 
the basketball world not respecting their league and what they do. I'm I'm so thankful to Michael. We got to give Michael a raise, Jeff, for bringing that issue up because uh, HBCU basketball does need to be respected more than it is. Uh, you bring up Lavelle Moten, who's a great coach, but he has also had some great assistants. Reggie Sharp, who's there now, Eric Wilson, who used to be there. Uh, I've tried to get these guys jobs other places, and some other people won't hire them because they see HBCUs on their resume. And uh, that's wrong because there's some really good coaches. The guy at Texas Southern is really good. Uh, young guy at North Carolina A&T, Will Jones. Yeah. Um, the coach at Norfolk State. I mean, these guys are high-level coaches. And I, I think that's something in our profession that has to change the lack of respect that people have for black college basketball because those guys are really good and there's some really good players coming out of there. You know, and you can go back to Lindsey Hunter and, and, and uh, uh, Anthony Mason from Tennessee State. There's always been good talent in that league. I just think that's something we got to speak up on and has to change. Chad, you mentioned uh, just having to hustle, you know, like at that particular uh, level in the HBCU level. Um, but I just I guess I'm curious to find out uh, how much do you guys or ADs look at, let's say, Jeff Goodman's list last year of the top assistants in every league. I think everybody on this call made their made that list. In, in those respective leagues. Mine was a big 12 last year and obviously now I'm in the Mountain West, but how important is, is, is something like that or, or your bio on your, um, on your respective uh, program uh, website uh, or just, you know, be doing a coaching consortium uh, like what I did three years ago in Minneapolis, like how important are those things, uh, you know, for the talent of people that are on this call and others that are out there that are not on this call, uh, you know, to not only search firms like yourselves, but also to the uh, to the eighties and uh, people that are making the uh, hires. That's huge. I mean, like Charlton, I met him first time at the step up with Felicia Allen Hall's deal. I, we did did next chair last year, the old the new Villa Seven, if you will, in Charlotte. Kate and I both have done the coaches consortium at the Final Four. Um, you know, back to that hustle element. Like, we got to see you, right? We got to hear your name. Um, if, if your peers and the people that know basketball the best are elevating you to be in those conferences and to be on the panels and to be, you know, in, in that situation, then that's telling us, hey, these are the next guys, right? Like, we need to be in on that. Um, I'll go back to Michael's question and CY's point a little bit. You know, Kate, you're, look, you're looking at the two people here at Turnkey. I mean, Gene D. Filippo still does some more of those too, but, like, we can't be everywhere. I mean, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and so many games we can attend. So, you know, we, you'll never hear us go, we know everyone. We, you know, it all comes through us. You know, we're the smartest people in the room. We're not like, that's why we're constantly reaching out to the media. We're constantly reaching out to, you know, I've, I've called assistant coaches about other assistant coaches. Hey, what do you know about this guy? I keep hearing his name, you know? So uh, it takes a lot of work. Again, there's no secret sauce, but you know, uh, Carlin, back to your question a little bit. The thing that usually resonates for us, and let's say any AD, especially if they're not using a firm, is kind of hearing that same name over and over, right? So if you start calling people and people you trust, and of the 20 calls you made, 16 people bring up Kamani's name, there might be something to that, right? There's like, all right, everybody's hot on this guy, right? So that's, that's again, to Kay's point, you got to be known to be needed. College athletics is a very small ancestral business. These guys all talk to each other. Hell, half these ADs go vacation with each other, 
right? They, they, hey, I got a guy who finished second year search. You know, I got this. They all talk. All right. So, you know, that's one. If we, if, before I forget, if you leave this podcast with one thing that you take away from it, please take away this guard your reputation with your life. All right. Because perception's reality. You, if, if people think you're a cheater, a dirtbag, and an asshole to work with, and someone who, you know, mistreats players, whether it's true or not, it's following you. So guard your reputation with your, I live every day in that building, interacting with people like you're on a job interview because you are, because we're calling the trainer. We're calling the compliance officer. We're calling the head coach of the women's team. Hey, what's this guy like on the men's team, right? You, you would be surprised at the people we call. And you'd also be surprised at how much they like to talk to us about you. Okay. So treat every day like your own interview, respect people and guard your reputation. Ted, let me ask you a question, and Katie, uh, this is for you too. Um, Mike, Jeff, and I have a platform here, and so I'm just kind of curious: what are ways that we can uh, we can help promote people and help do exactly what you were just referencing right there? Okay. Yeah, I think. I mean, we're we're doing it right now. You know, and you guys are are so great to have us on with um, all these impressive, you know, assistant coaches and. Um, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things, just getting to know these people. And I think I know almost everyone on this call, but it's just, you know, the repetition, it's just the repetition of meeting you and, and getting to know people. And um, like I mentioned before, I'm really ri- in, involved in rising coaches. And I know those guys aren't ready to be head coaches for, you know, another five to 10 years, but they are ready to be assistant coaches. And so when DJ gets a job, you know, he's going to call and say, Hey, who have you been impressed with the rising coaches? Who's followed up with you? Who's this and this. And a lot of times what we do, whenever we, you know, we do it, finish ahead coaching search. They call and say, Hey, who do you like as a Dobo? Have you met anybody? Like if they're an assistant coach, they don't have a full staff coming with them. Right. So a lot of that is we're helping you, you know, just with our observations and people that we've been impressed with. I mean, Manny, Manny Dosanj was at my house two weeks ago, DJ at my house for two days, spending time with my husband, who's an NBA scout, just on his own, flew out here a GA for, for, uh, to, for, for Dwayne and Tom Izzo was at our house. I mean, I'm going to call him, <laughs> you know, so it's, just, it's, it's integration. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're, Chad and I are, are in, we integrate, you know, coaching and, and Chad, especially with football and me with basketball in our daily lives. I mean, this is part of who we are. We're not just taking, I'm not just going to leave my office tomorrow and not talk to anyone. It's, it's integration. You want to call me at 7 PM while I'm cooking dinner, we're going to have a conversation. It's just, you know, it's, it's friendship, it's integration. It's getting to know you as people. And I think, um, you know, when, when time comes and we're doing referencing, I've called a lot of people on this Zoom about other other people that we're referencing. Um, you know, and a lot of times you won't even know we're doing the referencing for a staff. I did a Power Five staff, everyone from the video coordinator, you know, on up to the associate coach, all the referencing for this particular staff this year. So it's not just head coaches. It's, you know, I had to reject nine people to <laughs> the head coach because they're just not good people. Or they had something following them, they had an NCAA violation, or they were mean to a GA or whatever. And it's not my job to hire, but, but I'm providing information by calls we're making. And we do a lot of this behind the scenes that never gets seen or, or talked about or tweeted about because, you know, we work with a lot of different AD clients that trust us to make sure that, I mean, you can't be care- too careful on your staff these days. Your staff is your life lifeblood of, you know, not just your program, but your career. <laughs> and if they're doing something wrong, then, you know, yeah. I'm, I'll get off my soapbox now, but it's just, it's just so important to be a good person. Yeah. And back, back to your point, good, all good points, Katie. And you were tied in nicely to what Charlton said about like how important the staff is and what who's doing the work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michael, to your point, like 
I'm a big believer, and Katie and I have talked about to a lot of coaches about this, about working internal to external. A lot of you guys feel like, okay, I know all these guys inside. I got to go meet so-and-so and so-and. Like, if you're not getting to know your basketball administrator at the conference, at your school, if you're not using your AD as an asset, it's a mistake. You know, if, 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 if you know, you're at, uh, you know, Michigan State, you know, and if, uh, Mark Hollis for years, there was a legend, right? Like, and everybody knew him. So, like, if DJ, if you're going to play, you know, at Texas right now, and you call Mark Hollis now Bill Beekman, hey, I'd love to get five minutes with Chris Del Conte down there and, you know, do that stuff. When you guys go to different campuses, use your connections internally at your school to meet someone that maybe you'd want to talk to and pick their game. Because back to what we said, they all talk, right? You know, in, you know, next thing you know, someone's saying, hey, Chris, have you ever been around DJ Stevens, Dwayne Stevens? He just stopped by when we when they played, and I got to spend ten minutes with them pre-game. That's huge. They that 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 could. We, remember we talked about differentiating yourself. That could be the one thing that gets you a job over someone else. Because Katie will tell you, in a lot of these searches that we do, the final three, any one of them could really get the job, right? What's the differentiator that's going to split the hair there? Where Coach X gets it over Coach Y, and sometimes it's simple as a conversation and one reference that puts someone over the top. I, I, well, what, since you're talking about differentiating and both of you mentioned uh, risk and ADs being risk adverse. So speaking for all the assistant coaches that have never been head coaches. Uh, and again, you guys don't make the hires, but maybe you have some insight over the course of the years and the many searches you've done across sports. How can we as assistant coaches who have not been head coaches overcome that elephant in the room? Yeah, it's kind of what I touched on earlier, Jamal. Um, just, you know, making sure you're doing all the right things on your own staff, making sure that you're, you're responsible for, you can answer other questions. You know, when an AD interviews you, you know, there are certain questions maybe that you haven't done. Maybe you haven't overseen the academic piece. Maybe you have none of them are basketball questions, very, very little basketball questions. It's all about leadership, um, recruiting, X's and O's, just what, what are you doing? What are your roles? And being able to answer questions um, you know, that, that don't just have to do with, you know, I mean, you have to, you have to be actually be specific in your answers and give examples. And if you can give examples of why you're ready to be a head coach, that'll, that'll blow them away versus just a, you know, you've read a John Maxwell book and you're reciting your five principles or whatever. I mean, it's, it's being personable, it's being relaxed, confident. I mean, they can, you know, presence, presence is a lot, just act like a head coach. Yeah. That's half the battle. What about, what about even like, reminding them in a very non-confrontational way that are trying to connect, uh, you know, emotionally, the fact that somebody gave them a first chance that they weren't, you know, they hadn't been an AD until someone said they were ready to be an AD, you know, it kind of not flip it on them, but ask yeah. their perspective on it, you know, maybe it gives them a chance to uh, give you some insight into the way that they're thinking about what they would like to see. Cause they were, they, we were all there once, right? None of us were an assistant until we were assistant. Nobody was an AD or a president until they were actually the president. That's a great point. We've seen people do that. It's usually well-received, you know, I think to Katie's point, this is usually the number one problem with assistants. They go in and during the interview, they go in and talk about what they would do, not what they have done. And it's hard because you haven't been the head coach. So you want to be, a lot of you don't want to be disrespectful to the head coach that you, you're with. Um, a lot of you don't want to be, you know, we're in a we 
sports is a we thing. It's not an I thing. You guys are talking to your players every day about we, 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 not I. And now you got to go in the interview and go, I, 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 right? It's, it's, it's tough for you. It's not natural. But you know, the best assistant coaches in interviews that have done well have gone in and said, you know, well, I was fortunate. Um, coach gave me this and I ran with it. And this is what I was able to do. And this is what I implemented. And this is how it helped the team. Uh, you know, uh, coach uh, put me in charge of the budget, right? Budget is big, kind of what Katie talked about. Like, you're going to get asked head coach things, and a lot of them aren't going to be about basketball. It's going to be, what's our team going to look like under your leadership? Have you run the budget? How much money do you need for recruiting? Who are you hiring the staff? Why are you hiring them the staff? What resources do you need? Um, you know, and I can go in there tomorrow and tell you what I would do. You know, oh, hey, we're going to be no, we're going to be a tough team. We're going to play physical defense. We're going to recruit our tails off. We're, we're going to be great in the community. Those are all things you would do. I can do that. Tell me what you have done and how that, and give me that visual and that vision of what our program looks under your leadership because you've done it. Back to Charlton's point. We, I'm an assistant coach at Michigan State or VCU or wherever, but I've done this. And this is what I've done. Right. You, you can't defer to the head coach. You, you got to be careful with pronoun usage. You can't say, well, we and, and coach is this. Now they're thinking about who's done the work. Is it you or has it been coached? So just be real careful with that. But own what you can own. Be respectful to your head coach. But tell people what you're, you've done and what you can do. Yeah. Jamal, Jamal, I'd like to add just one thing to that. Um, and it's for all of us on the call. Like, and I talk to our staff about it every day. We should all be the head coach of something within our program. We should all be the head coach of something, whether it's, you know, your culture, player development, academics, individual instruction, offense, defense. Like every one of us on this call and collectively with our staffs should be the head coach of something. And, and that's I think that's where it starts. And it, it lends to the point that Katie and Chad just made. That's a great point. Uh, Jeff Goodman, I'm very disappointed in you uh, uh, being mean to our guest, Adam Cohen. Adam, can you please? Step in, Jeff. We got to take money out of his check. He's killing us. Adam, Adam listen, listen. I would have had a fellow Arizona alum go first, but he's had a little bit of CY issues with his technology <laughs> today. All right, that's hey, all. The Stanford Wi-Fi is struggling these days. I don't know how or why. You didn't pay your bill at Stanford? Come on. <laughs> well, come idea, come join us, Adam, please. See why <laughs> you're the man. I appreciate you. <laughs> no, hey, my question was – Obviously, we're all trying to separate ourselves in different ways. When you guys have seen young head coaches fail, other than the typical or non-typical NCAA type things, what have you seen that you wouldn't have seen in the interview process that surprised you? I'll jump in first on this one. I think the first time head coaches try to do too much. They try to do everything. They don't, they don't remember, back to Charlton's point, they don't hire staff that they trust and delegate to that staff. They figure it's. I've been waiting on this. It's my turn. I have to have my hands in everything to make sure it doesn't get screwed up. And that's what kills them, because you can't do all four jobs in that case, right? You've got to be the best head coach you can. You got to hire people around you, and you got to trust them. I think for me, that would be the one thing I've seen first-time head coaches really make a mistake on, um, and it kills them. Katie. I would say just try to flip it too quickly. Take bad kids. Um, make sure you're doing your due diligence on your players. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I've seen other than what Chad just said. And what's the biggest mistake old head coaches make? Because I see them get fired all the time, too. 
<laughs> we might we might have to hire some young guys. I see some old guys getting pounded. I, I say, see, what I would say they retire and don't tell anyone they retire. Just they, the juice, <laughs> the juice isn't there. They're not energetic. They're not, you know, they stay somewhere too long. Um, or, or, or they've lost their humility. True. Yeah. Yeah. Too. Or they too, don't too. adapt. They don't. They don't adapt to the food. You know, the different kids coming through the program. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Too set in their ways. They don't listen to. They don't, first of all, they don't put a, a staff around them that, that they need. They put yes people around them instead of people that'll tell them what really they need to be doing. And they don't change. I mean, Brian, this is a football analogy, but Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, his coaches had to go to him in five years ago and say, Coach, you're losing the locker room. You, you, this is not going to work anymore. And he listened, right? They, they, they went like three and eight that year. He listened. Next thing you know, they're in the you know, national championship two years later. So you got to be able to adapt as an older head coach. I mean, yeah, it worked 20 years ago, but these kids are different. Hey guys, does, does associate head coach matter? I've always thought it was so overdone and everybody's got it now, right? Everybody wants it. And I know guys on this call have it. So I'm probably offending guys in, in some regards, but I feel like, like, does it really matter to you guys or to the, to the ADs? I mean, I, I, not in my opinion, Katie. No, I don't think so. It depends on, you know, what the duties are. If you're, if you're the clear number two, but your duties are all these other things that makes a difference, but it's more about the job description that you're doing versus your title. I think. Yeah. Title comes with money. I think too. That, that, exactly. That is it, let, me, let, me ask, let me ask a question. Is it a bad look if let, let's say, so this past spring, I had a couple different opportunities uh, to interview. I actually went on the campus of one uh, institution um, I ended up uh, turning down the opportunity because it just wasn't the right fit for my family and the timing just wasn't right. Is that a bad look? I mean, I've been doing this for 23 years and, you know, I'm looking at my family. I'm looking at just, you know, like the, the particular job, you know, um, opportunity to, you know, be able to, you know, really win at a high level. Like, I just don't feel like I want to settle personally. That's just me on this call. But am I making a mistake by turning down, you know, any head coaching opportunity uh, or, you know, is, is, that, is or is that, is that going to be just something that you guys as search firms talk amongst each other or presidents or ADs at those institutions? Is that something that, you know, is, is, a, is a bad look? I always think you should have those conversations with your family before you go on a campus visit. Now, if you do a Zoom and you pull out because it's not the right fit, no, no harm, no foul, right? But if you get to campus and that when you get to that campus, you know, even though they're not saying, hey, sign here, you know, if you're taking the job, um, I think you have to be prepared to take the job unless there is something completely glaring about the job or the place or something. Or, I mean, listen, people, people's families get cold feet. I get that. And so maybe they're all in and then there are circumstances that that don't matter, but I think as much due diligence as you can about schools or about the program, about budget resources, ask all the questions up front before you get to campus. So that way there are no surprises. And if you're a serious candidate, AD is gonna be able to provide you with all that information um, ahead of time and it'll help you make a better educated decision. So I think you can prevent some of those things. Not You're obviously not gonna be able to prevent everything if you get there and you know, you're like, man, this place is just not for me and you've never been there before. Or, you know, something like that, it happens, but I wouldn't make a habit of it. Yeah. I'd say if you get, if you start to become a reputation from a guy who, who likes to get the, get courted, but never dates anyone, right. Or it uses it to get more money at his, his current deal. That's bad. I mean, here, here's the other one that pisses me off is that a search opens and an agent calls us and goes, Oh, 
my guy will walk to that job. You know, that's his dream job. We get him in the final group and he pulls out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, come on, right? So like, if, if you're going to go all in on a job and you pull out, that is not a good look. If you're in it, but you're learning and you're, you still have questions, you're not fully committed, that's okay. You know, you, know, mm-hmm. you, 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 you did the due diligence and you're pulling out and it wasn't the right fit or the right time. There's no harm, no foul in that. Now, some search firms will get pissed. As long as you're transparent with us and you're honest with us, no harm, no foul, man. We get it. Uh, we didn't. We wouldn't want you to take the job and not be happy there, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just don't beg us to get in, and it's the one you want, and you're ready to take it, and then we get you there, and you're, and then you you, you change your mind. Well, listen, we're we're gonna wrap it here. Uh, we're about it. I know some people have to go, and my wife's texting me. I gotta feed the dog, so uh, I'm, I'm gonna wrap it here in a minute. Um, I appreciate everybody jumping on. This was awesome. Uh, really, really good stuff. I think a lot of good questions. And um, thank you, Katie. Uh, thanks, Chad, for for all your insight and, and your candor as much as anything. And uh, everybody else on the call, all the assistants. Uh, Mike, thanks for bringing up the credibility of the media ranks here because you got Doster to actually talk. That's a huge thing. I, I, listen. It's a big win for Doster that, that he actually spoke on the call. So, again, thanks to everybody. Uh, again, uh, Candid Coaches Conversations every single week. Uh, make sure you come back, and we're going to do it all off season with a different topic, different guests, and, uh, again, appreciate it.